Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 288 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm great. We are taking your listener questions today, everyone. It's something we love to do. I just checked, and this is now our 28th listener questions episode. Wow. Right. Wow. Yeah. Imagine that we've had enough actual advice to dole out to do 28 of these. (laughs) And probably we've covered almost everything. Um, We do these uh, every few months, and we usually do them back to back. So this time you will get a listener questions episode today, which by the way is Thanksgiving week. So, so curious what everyone's doing today and this week. We usually would say something like, oh, we hope you're listening while making pies or on a road trip over the river and through the woods. And I just, I don't know what everybody's doing this week, but I hope everybody (laughs) has found a way to celebrate. Well, Um, you know, it's funny on our um, Facebook community, um, there was a little discussion about holiday content. Mm-hmm. And, you know, someone was saying they hoped that we would do a lot of holiday content again this year because they feel like they really need it. And then there was this little conversation where someone said, you know, I don't know if I want to go back and listen to yeah. old holiday content because is it going to feel like, I don't know, nice and comforting to hear stuff that has nothing to do with COVID or will it be like alienating and odd to go listen to an episode from a year when everything was just normal? Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's a good question. It's like, watching an old movie where people are standing close to each other and and celebrating with their family. And it's already now starting to feel weird to me to see that in movies and shows, like people all in the same room and like, what, what are they doing? Like, get away. I agree. (laughs) I, I think for me, if I were the mom list, like consuming the holiday content, I don't think I would like pre COVID holiday advice. Like I want to get back to that someday and we will have, you know, holidays without COVID. But to me, I, I would feel kind of sad, like, you know, weren't we cute when we could celebrate the holidays in a big, like crowded dining room? (laughs) Wasn't that nice? Yeah. 
So, yeah. Well, um, I will be with my immediate family this week and not going anywhere. Um, but anyway, listener questions. We've got this episode for you today. And then next Tuesday as well, we'll have four more questions. We, we almost always take four. Sometimes it's three or five. But um, yeah, just one of our one of the fun things, one of the fun ways we like to be able to tackle a lot of parenting topics in a shorter amount of time. Um, and I'm excited about the questions we have today. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. All right. So our first question comes from Jessica by email and I'll just set it up here. So Jessica says, Megan and Sarah, how do you make true friends as an adult slash mom? COVID has made it apparent to me that I don't have any close friends outside of my husband and my sister. And she goes on to say that she's been kind of excluded from her church small group because of some political differences and that her friends in the neighborhood have started hanging out without her. So there's some real um, some some changes, some breaks going on in her friendship circles. And, And Jessica says, I feel so lonely and sad that no one seemingly wants to be my friend. And it hurts so much. So first of all, just I'm so sorry that you're going through that. Yeah, Jessica, and you're not the only one. You're not. And, you know, right now, like. 
There are so many things for people to disagree about right now. It's not even just one thing. It'd be one thing if we all just disagreed about like COVID, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's COVID and politics and the politics this year are particularly, um, particularly divisive and have been for some time. And then on top of that, people are stressed. People are drawing very harsh lines in the sand. Like I don't think the friendship climate right now, the relational climate is anything like what it has been or will be. It's, it's, we're just in a really lonely bubble right now. So, um, yeah, just, just another voice saying that I'm really sorry. And I know, I know it's hard for me, even though I have long established friendships, even I still have to kind of like walk very careful lines about how I talk about things that can be controversial and not alienate and not be alienated. And, and I mean, if you're kind of starting off, um, as a younger mom or a newer mom trying to establish those relationships, I can only imagine how hard that is right now because it's like people have criteria and are using that criteria. It's like, a, it's like the world has become a dating app or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and if you don't have the right thing in your profile, you're out. And I think that that um, is really widespread. It's really unfortunate. Um, I will also say sometimes it takes time to find your people. And right now it takes even more time to find your people because all of the ways you used to find your people are, are canceled or re, or re, you know, postponed. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming there aren't a lot of moms groups happening. I'm, I'm assuming there aren't, you know, the in-person things that used to happen, the hobbies, the activities have been really kind of put on hold. Um, and so that even though that always takes time when you move to a new town, when your life changes, you either move into the workforce or out of the workforce or, you have kids, or your kids get older, like that always comes with an adjustment period and it takes time. Right now, it just takes so much more time. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's, it just kind of is the fact right now. I don't know besides, you know, finding um, ways to connect with people that are your people in a safe way, maybe online. Um, that's one way, but it doesn't replace those in real life. Yeah. Close friendships. And the other thing, and I know, Sarah, you're going to talk more about this, but um, I would say that there was definitely periods of my life as a mom where my sister or my sister-in-law truly were like my second partner and all, and it really is how it felt. Like, not like I have a group of friends and my sister is one of them, but like my best friend is my sister and also my only friend. Yeah. And I think, I think it's okay to have a period of your life that's like that. And even if you're an extrovert, which I am, um, there were many years where like my life just didn't lend itself to me having multiple close friendships outside of like my most tight inner circle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sarah, what do you think about that? Yeah. Well, I was going to, when she said that this is a time right now where her husband and her sister are the only, you know, close relationships in her life. My first thought Jessica was, I wonder if there are ways to lean into that a little bit. Um, and just to make sure that those are really fulfilling and fun relationships for you and that you're, um, I don't know, doing things together that feel maybe new and novel, even though the relationships are kind of your, your they're your ride or die. It's your spouse and your sister, and you're always going to be, you know, they're always going to be close to you. But, um, rather than thinking about expansion in this crazy time, like you said, Megan, um, maybe think about the ways that those relationships can just feel really good and, and nurturing and fun. Um, 
I know one thing for me that happens with social media, and I'm totally not putting words in your mouth, uh, Jessica, because I have no idea if this would apply to you. But um, I keep my Instagram feed fairly like I don't follow a lot of people that I don't know personally. So they really uh, many of the people I follow are truly my friends, but they they might be high school friends. They might be college Mm. friends. They might be people that if I were really taking like a true IRL real life like lens, they're not in my like in my inner circle, but I know them in real life. And so it mm-hmm. starts to feel like uh, one thing that can happen is I find myself knowing and caring about a large number of people's kids and lives and details. Um, and that can actually make me forget to check in or forget to nurture the the real inner circle relationships, especially if those people are happen to not be on social media. Does that make sense? So there's almost like a yeah. reverse a, a disproportionate amount of my brain that cares about, and and they're not people I don't know. It would be different. It's not like, I'm not talking about celebrities and Instagram influencers and stuff. I'm talking about, you know, actual people I know in real life, but I happen to know a lot more about some of them. And then I may forget to call my sister back or to, you know, yeah. like buy a birthday card for someone who's truly in my inner circle. So sometimes social media, I think can warp our perception of how big our circle should be or is. Um, and, and so I guess my, if I'm giving advice, it would be to know that this is one season of loneliness and a lot of people are going through it. And also maybe there are, maybe there are some little things to do with the people closest to you that to make sure that your social and emotional cup is filled, even if the number of humans is small. I don't know. Is that helpful at all? I, I, I think it's totally helpful. And I would also say that I think because something about the social media world that we live in, where we're able to kind of like um, filter people via shared interests or age groups or whatever, it's like we we kind of feel like meaningful relationships have to be with peers, like people mm, we consider to be yeah. peers. And this is just a you know case in point. A few weeks ago, my family went through a really hard time and. I kept all the people that I felt like were in my usual circle, like people I would run into or that my kids would know their kids or like those people, right? The ones I see a lot, but don't necessarily have deep relationships mm-hmm. with. Those people were all kept in the loop because they're my my people on, on hand, like they're in my neighborhood or whatever. And that's great. It was very necessary to have that. And then a few days later, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have these two aunts, one on my mom's side and one on my dad's side that I am close with who... I haven't even told what's going on. Uh, my stepmom has no idea and she lives 20 minutes away. Like these are people I have real relationships with. They're not my peers, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that those relationships don't count. And then, you know, I reached out to those people and it was like immediately had responses and good conversations. And like those can sometimes the season of life you're in might, I guess what I'm saying is lend itself better to those relationships mm-hmm. and those also count. And they're just easy. I'm not going to say easy to forget that they're never forgotten, but they just sometimes can take a back seat when you're really just trying to figure out who you're going to be able to like get together with and have, mm-hmm. you know, happy hour or something. And all of those things matter. But if, if one group just right now in this season isn't working out or you're just not able to connect, there are probably other people in your life who are actually re- like who can Fill, help fill that cup and reduce that loneliness. 
um, and who really care about you and they're there. Like they're waiting for your yeah. call. You just maybe yeah. forgot, right? Yeah. Or like it just wasn't top of mind. So yeah. um, just to add on. Yeah, I love that. Tara. And this is like maybe maybe sometime soon we should do another entire episode about friendship because it's something that we've we've definitely touched on it multiple times and we can link to past episodes. But it is a big topic and it's so driven sure by your own stage of life and personality. And so it's a little hard to give advice when people's um, friendship and, and relationship needs can look so different. I mean, some people really like like a thriving big community and some people want a bestie and some people are in a season of life where it's like kids and spouse only. So um, right. just to validate that, first of all, I don't think we can say it enough. It really stinks that you have felt excluded from the existing circles. And that is a, yeah. a feeling that it never stops being hurtful when, even if we're not in like seventh grade with mean girls. So I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And I wish we could like have you over for coffee and help you feel included. And you will feel included in, in circles again. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on. <sighs> we got two messages from two Sarah's in this episode and I they both it. spell their name like mine. So Where's all my Megan's is, at? We don't hear from Megan's as often as Sarah's, but there's, okay. there's there, the Megan's are there. They just all spell it so differently with Sarah. There's That's only true. two options. And both of these Sarah's actually spell it like mine with an H so we will play uh, Sarah's question now. Hi, Sarah and Megan. My name is Sarah. I love your show. Thank you so much for all the great episodes. And I have a question pertaining to middle and upper elementary aged kids. Um, I have a preschooler and then a first and fourth grader. And um, I'm realizing with the older kids, I don't have as many ideas for hands-on activities um, or just like play and bonding ideas. We're doing so much chores and um, with chores and homework together that um, I don't always take the time to do something separately, even if it's just once a week or once a month. But I really want to come up with something. And I realized that the the crafts I felt comfortable doing with preschool age, um, I always had fun with that. But now I'm realizing that they want to and they're capable of doing things that are a little bit more cared for and complex. And so um, just wondering what your ideas are for um, play or an activity as a family, uh, or even one-on-one -on -one with the middle and upper elementary ages. So thank you so much in advance. Have a wonderful day. Well, I really loved this message. I, I something about it just reminded me, I guess maybe of me just a few years ago, maybe three or four years ago, this would have been my, um, age range of my kids. It reminded me of this COVID winter we're heading into. I love mm. that. She said that they're doing their home so much. They're doing chores and homework all the time. And yet that opportunity for connection and bonding and fun is a struggle. And oh my gosh, this is only going to be a, this is, this is going to be our life, everyone for the next several months. So I think it's really yes. important to talk about, we're not lacking for time with our families, but we're coming up short sometimes on how to enjoy that time. And this like is inspiration and ideas are low. Yeah. yeah. So actually this question made me think about my own, like almost how I want to treat this. So I have a, I wrote down a bunch of tips and I'll just kind of go quickly. But Sarah, I love that you're thinking along these lines. Um, and I think so many people are in this situation. And you're right that as kids get older, they need you physically less and they can do more independently, but they still want connection. And it's still really important to find kind of leisure activities or bonding activities that you can do together, even when they're older. So I think I've said this before on the show, but my family went from very low tech, meaning very few little screen time and not using technology very much when my kids were little 
to now really enjoying tech as a part of something that brings our family together. And I use tech very broadly. Um, things like having a movie marathon or watching a show together. We pair off sometimes and Allegra and I will have a show that we're watching together and we'll have a family show video gaming together. We, Brian got us um, a virtual reality headset like a year ago and there's different things you can do. Well, only one person can wear it at a time. Um, but there's different things you can do on there that are really fun. And, and I know video gaming, you know, maybe seems like something that big kids just go off at, with their friends and do, but I think for a lot of families, technology screens, screen time really can shift as kids get older to be something that you could enjoy together. And so just maybe plant that seed for you to think about. Um, our family has tried to do one-on-one time, even in COVID. And sometimes that has meant doing like a, a date night at home with like one parent and kid who orders takeout and watches a separate movie in a separate room and just so it feels special because we've always tried to do one-on-one dates with our kids, but it's just been really hard during COVID. So I think you can, yeah, you can do that right now, but it just takes a little planning. And the planning actually, I think is what makes it fun for the kids. Like they know, like mom and I are having an, a, a stay in date night. We're ordering our own takeout and we're doing, you know, a Gilmore girls marathon in the other room. And I, it's, it's nice. It's if, as long as you cycle through the kids and everyone feels like they get a turn, I think it can be really special. Um, Food and cooking is a big one in our house, um, both baking and we're going into the holidays. So I think she talked about crafts and like the, the preschool crafts that no longer feel like as as appropriate anymore. I think baking and cooking can become almost like a creative hands on thing to do together and way more, in my opinion, way more productive and fruitful right. and enjoyable than a craft to me. Um, so that's a good one. I can't remember where Sarah lives, and I know we're going into winter in many places, but um, as my kids have gotten older, we've had a lot of fun with outdoor things like giant Jenga for the patio or the cornhole, like beanbag toss game or a basketball hoop in the front driveway. Um, I think the great part about older kids is they can do stuff that's actually fun for us. So just yeah. um, that out that whole category of outdoor leisure, maybe it's bike riding together or rollerblading or something like that, um, I think can be really fun. Let me jump in on that be as someone who lives in a colder climate. Um, I mean, I think all of the outdoor stuff becomes much more fun. I'm thinking about the time I went snowshoeing with my kids when like the youngest two were like a toddler and a oh, three-year-old gosh. or something. <laughs> it's just, I just remember like the, the baby goes carried a lot. The three-year-old kept falling and like falling in snowshoes is hilarious. Cause you just basically like flop over and then someone has to kind of help you get up. So that, that all gets more fun. And people who are living in colder climates, like there's never, it's almost never so cold. You couldn't have a fire. Like, yeah, it's rare. There, a fire can happen. And a lot of people here, it's getting very COVIDy in my county as it is across the country. Um, I know of so many people who are converting their garages into like fun spaces or a part of their garage into yeah. a fun space, like get a, you know, space heater, bring, get one of those gas fireplaces, put, you know, foosball or something mm-hmm. in there. Like, I think people are getting, I think one of the real blessed things of the time that we're in right now, and I don't use that word a lot as related to COVID, but, but one of them is that people have now gone said, okay, this isn't going away anytime soon. What do we got to do to mm-hmm. make this work? And, and I do think that, that like those, those conversions can become a project in and of themselves. Like, how are we going to use the space yeah. guys? Like what, what are we going to do with the space? Let's all think about it 
and even the kids, uh, my older kids now seem more motivated because they know that their options are limited. Yeah. There is something about limiting options that creates uh, or like, you know, basically sets the stage for more creativity. Yeah. So I just want to jump in on that as a I, Michigander. I love that. Well, and I, I honestly didn't know how those things would work in super cold times. Um, so I like hearing about the converted garages and just, yeah, I'm such a fan of repurposing space anyway. And we, we moved in COVID. So we kind of set up with a COVID mindset, but I think that's very smart. Um, and I think everybody should right now invest in long johns. If they live in a cold place, like invest in warm under things, because I just have a feeling we're all going to spend it, be spending a lot more time outside. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. And there you go. The final thing I wanted to say to Sarah is to, and I think because her kids are spaced similarly to mine is remember you still have a preschooler. And so I think it's so awesome that you are starting to think about these more big kid bonding and connection activities. But I will tell you, it's going to get so much more fun in a year or two or three as that caboose ages up into some of the all family activities. And I know we we always get questions about like, when does it get easier or when does it feel like you don't always have like the baby or the toddler in tow? And that, that, you know, the answer to that kind of changes depending on what you're talking about, but you're really close, Sarah, to having that preschooler feel like be included in all of the family fun. And you're just on the precipice of a really fun stage. I think Megan, you've called, what do you tell me it is like the, not the golden years, the gravy else. years, the gravy years, the gravy? Yeah. Um, where your kids are just going to be able to enjoy a lot of the same things without some of the work that goes along with, you know, helping that little preschooler feel included. Violet is seven, almost eight, and she can read fluently now. And the number of board games we can play as a family, because she's a, she can't just sound things out. She's really a, a good fluent reader now. And like, even that just opens up the board games we can play um, together because nobody has to help her read. So you're just, yeah. you're a little ways away from that. So don't get, it's awesome that you're thinking about it, but also I, I would say, don't put so much pressure on yourself just yet. Cause you have, you still yes. have that little one and that little one will still want to be included in the big kid activities. And I know that can be, that can be tough. So. Yeah. And I, I mean, Sarah, that was all great. And if I had one thing to add, it would just be, I remember the transition going from like little kids to bigger kids and realizing that with bigger kids, play doesn't look the same way play looks with little, little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, you mentioned, uh, chores, and, um, like, and homework, I think Sarah mentioned both of those things as being like the things that they're still doing yeah. the, or that she's still doing with the bigger kids. And those things can count like chores can be a bonding experience. It's not fun necessarily, but it's not that it doesn't count. And there's ways to make that fun. And I think as your little one gets older, you'll just kind of realize you're shifting out of a time where play looks like, you know, getting down on the floor and suffering through some kind of <laughs> make believe, you know, matchbox car or make believe or something. And it doesn't look quite like it did when they were doing, you know, pet store. Like we both joke yes. about with our, with our former five and six year olds, it looks different, but it still counts. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And I think like you were saying with the home projects, the bigger kids get, the more they really are a contributing member of the family, which is fulfilling and connecting and bonding in its own way. Right. So. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keeps pile. 
They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Okay, so this week we got two questions about teenagers, which is kind of fun because I know most of our listeners have really little ones. Um, but as a, as someone, I always want to say a teen mom, but like I'm not a teenage right. mom. I'm a mom of teens, yeah. uh, which is a little bit different. But you know, I've also been an almost teen mom, so just I wasn't a teen mom of teens. That would be hard to pull off. Yeah. Um, but we had two questions. One was from Catherine, and that one came over email, and she was essentially asking like. I need teenager help. It would be great to do an episode on teens. And then we also got a question from Leah and we'll play that question here in a minute. Um, also asking about parenting teenagers. So we'll take that question. Hi, Megan and Sarah. My name is Leah. I am from Minnesota and I am the mom to two boys ages five and six. And now suddenly we find ourselves also the parental figures to a 17 year old. We are struggling to know how to parent a age that we've never parented before. And I wondered if you two had ever considered recording a podcast episode where you condense all of your best teenage parenting advice into one hour. If so, I would be a very eager listener. Thanks. Bye. Okay. So Leah and Catherine, thank you for the nudge because I agree that an episode all about teens is a great idea. And it would be great to do a whole episode about teens and and maybe we can get that on the, uh, on the docket in the next few months. But in the meantime, <laughs> I'm going to try to condense all of my best teenager parenting advice into like five minutes. I love um, this. So here you start it. my clock for me. Sarah. Yeah, no, you can go past five minutes. I think everyone wants this. 
And I was just going to say, we, we have to put that on the production calendar for spring because I will become mom to a teenager in April. So I'll make sure that we, oh my gosh, we can so time yes. it around that and we can just, I don't know, maybe even a two-part series. I can, I can help indo- like in- initiate you yes. into this new world. I love yes. it. But give us the five-minute version now. Well, okay. The first thing, the first number one cardinal rule of parenting a teenager is actually very similar to the advice I would give someone with like a three or four-year-old. And that is to not take anything personally ever. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing ever. Um, see hormones. That is a thing. It is a real thing. And it affects all teenagers differently and also at different times. And one thing, you know, I have four uh, kids who have either been teenagers or who are currently teenagers and an 11 year old. And what I found with the boys, um, who are now 23, 21, 17, and almost 15 is that they've all kind of moved into what I think of as their salty stage, like at totally different times. Mm -hmm. So sometimes kids get real salty, meaning like grumpy and sullen at like 13 and then they're over it by the time they're like 14, it's done. And then other ones kind of go into this like long, slow brood that just lasts (laughs) for years. Some of them are a little bit like late bloomers and they don't get grumpy till they're like 17. It's just all over the place. And so you don't know when it's coming, but it's coming. And just like if a four-year-old says, I hate you, you can't take it personally. You just absolutely cannot take anything a teenager does personally. It's really hard because they look like reasonable people. They look like (laughs) adults. They look like they they should have some control over their person and their emotions and what they say to you. And then that doesn't mean everything they say is acceptable. And if they're mean or rude or nasty or abusive, that's not okay. But you just can't let that affect how you feel about yourself. I love that. Or your relationship with them. It is a losing proposition. They're taking things out on you that are like so primal (laughs) and so universal. They literally go back to Romeo and Juliet days. Like you cannot think it's you or your fault ever. Um, And along those lines, I just kind of hinted at this. Like you really have to resist the urge to expect them to behave like adults or to know what adults know. And this can be really difficult because teenagers these days are really, really smart. Mm -hmm. They're very worldly. They care about causes. They know things and they look like adults. They, mm-hmm. you know, they have hair on their faces and armpits and they really believe they know literally everything. And we talked um, <laughs> in our more than mom the other day about how like sometimes they will take on, they will really like a cloak where the worldview, like they try things on. Right. And mm-hmm. some of that might mean that they want to get really political or that might mean that they want to think they know everything about a certain um, career choice or whatever. It doesn't matter. They think they know everything is my point. Mm -hmm. And they know nothing. They know (laughs) nothing. And I don't ever want to say to my kids, you don't know anything. But John and I still have this joke where we will talk about it when we do drop-offs and pickups or if we're talking on the phone about the kids. And I'll just be like, did you hear, you know, when William said this or when Owen said that? And like, we laugh about how how their whole lives, they know nothing and they still know nothing. And they think they know everything. No, that's an exaggeration. They do know things. They know things intellectually, but they don't have, they don't have life experience, right? They just don't, they just don't really know how the world works. Right. I mean, half the time they don't even know how to like wash their hair (laughs) or like put zit cream on. Like they don't, they don't know how to take care of themselves from the inside out, 
much less how we should be doing that. So again, it goes back to the don't, don't take things personally. Um, you got to get ready to listen to a lot of music and watch a lot of shows and maybe YouTube videos and things that you would prefer to never experience. <laughs> and then you have to figure out like, how hard is the line in the sand going to be? You're going to draw a line in the sand. It's going to be questionable lyrics or like nasty themes on a show or like, what's it going to be? How much are you just going to look the other way? Because you know, they're watching and consuming it anyway. So like, is it better to at least be a little bit hip to it? Um, there has been research done about how the older you get, the less open you are to new music, mm -hmm. which I, I always that. thought was baloney. But now that I find myself going back to my old comfort, uh, my old comfort, you know, themes and, and genres and artists, I know that's absolutely true. I am not as open to new sounds mm -hmm. as I was, you know, even 10 years ago. So. I've had to really kind of like try really hard to be open to stuff. Um, I have actually started to enjoy a rapper named Juice World. And mm -hmm. if you're a mom of teens, that might make sense to you. Please do send me an email. I need your support. Because um, <laughs> I, I enjoy Juice World ironically, but I kind of feel like my kids like really think it's good. I don't really know what's going on. I just, I just listen and kind of bop my head along and hum a little bit. And then finally, after like two songs, I'm like, okay, can you put something on? And they know, like, they know my limits mm -hmm. and they know that they've got backup music. We can all agree on and they'll just switch to that. So, you know, you, but just like being open, I think is important because I, I don't want to be a curmudgeon and I don't want to be the mom who's like, I don't want to be the, trying to be the cool mom. Like, I don't want to try so hard that it comes off as disingenuous or sort of pathetic, but mm -hmm. I also don't want to be like closed off to everything they like. So I try to like, I'm very clearly the adult and I don't mind taking the role, like almost like the butt of the joke role. Mm -hmm. I just have had to get really disconnected from my feelings around that yeah. and not to take that personally. Um, but also to be open to stuff and to be open to listening to new things. And then um, two more things. One is let your kids surprise you. So your teenager is becoming his or her own person. Um, they might know or feel or believe things that like, you just don't even know. And I think there can be this assumption to think they're just like a big version of who they were when they were 10 mm. or eight or four. And they're not, they're still growing. They're still changing. So I guess I would just say, stay curious about them and their lives. Don't jump to conclusions. Um, and even if they seem like really disengaged from you, I think they really want you to know what's happening with them and, and they want your approval. Mm -hmm. So again, even if there's like this grumpiness or the sullenness or in my kids, it's really played out as like this jokey, like I'm so cool. Like I can't have a normal conversation with them because everything comes off as like this low key joke. Like a one liner. Um, like they're like it's like everything is like constant one liners. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I have said, hey, can we just have a normal conversation? But even <laughs> no matter how I feel about the way they're presenting to me, like they still want to know they're loved and accepted and secure, like just like a little kid. Yeah. They just show it differently. Or sometimes they don't show you at all. Sometimes they hide it, like purposefully hide it. Um, and so you kind of have to be willing to do that digging and stay curious and ask questions. And like, I don't know, like there again, it's like you can kind of poke fun, just like they poke fun at me for being, they still call me a boomer, which I think is so funny, but <laughs> You know, that, that yeah. whole joke yeah. does, has not died in my house. They poke fun at me at that, about that. And I will poke fun at them for being like part of the Tide Pod generation. And so we <laughs> kind of have this like funny back and forth about it. But 
in the end, I want them to know I really do want to know what's going on with them. So it has to, it can't come across as me disapproving of them just for this fact that they exist. Right. Or like, like discounting the they, their entire generation because exactly, punks. you know, yeah. we can, we can poke fun. We can kind of go back and forth and make fun of each other a little bit, but like, they still have to know that I think they're cool and have something to offer. And like, I don't think they're dumb. And I mm-hmm. think, I don't think they're frivolous and I don't think everything they do is stupid. And, and I do sometimes find myself gravitating towards being very dismissive of things. Like I was very dismissive of TikTok. And then, you know, Clara was like kind of pensively like, well, why do you hate it so much? I mean, I just, it's just fun. And I said, oh, I, you know, I, I had to really kind of check myself. I said, I don't hate it. I really don't. I don't really know much about it. I just, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And I, it's another platform I don't care to learn. But if you want to learn it and tell me about it, I would like to know about it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it kind of has to come from that perspective. And then I guess finally, um, you know, n- nothing, we've said this about every, literally every stage and the teenage stage can feel very long because teenagers really, really develop at very different paces and their attitudes change sometimes very quickly, sometimes very slowly. Um, so you're really looking at a period of like 12 to possibly 19 that they could be in this weird sort of not adult, but not, not adult Mm -hmm. phase. And it's long, it's longer than, it's longer than babies who doesn't, who don't sleep. It's longer than toddler. It's longer than like crappy four-year-olds with attitudes. Like it's, it's long, Um, but they will eventually come back. So like, you have to remember that this will pass because in some ways I think the teen years just drag on and are harder and more isolating than really any other parenting phase. Um, but we all remember being teenagers and being some, some level of awful. Yeah. Even if we weren't the ones who were like, really, I was actually a very cheerful teenager. Relatively speaking, Sarah, I know you've said that you were, you could be kind of mean. I I think maybe that's an older versus. Yeah. And I think that's often a younger versus older thing. Like Uh I was like the family peacemaker clown type. So it was just a little bit different how it manifested but I still know that I was difficult mm-hmm. for years and it lasted a long time. But then there comes that stage where you're like, oh, my parents do know things. Yeah. They actually do have something to offer. And for me, that was probably 21, 22 yep. was when I really thought, nope, okay, I want to hang out with my parents. And then I would purposely go home and want to hang out at the kitchen table and play yeah. board games with my parents. It really does come back that way. Like Isaac is 21 now and I see how much he wants to be around us. Like yeah. he wants to come home on the weekends and he wants to be around us and Jacob never stopped wanting to be around yeah. us. <laughs> he is a little bit of an oddball, but like, I just, the whole point is even if they're very disengaged from you and very disconnected, usually that does pass. Yeah. It just might not happen anytime soon. I'm sorry to say. No, I, uh, so I there you go. <laughs> I love it. I don't even, I, I didn't look at the clocks. So I have no idea if you kept it to five minutes, but I don't think I did. I, I love that. And I especially love thinking like about things that younger families, we talk so much about family culture on this show and like making your home and your family's rituals and traditions like uniquely you and not for any, not because any book says so, or like any Instagrammer does it. Um, And I just feel like what a, what a great foundation when you have little kids to start building those rituals and that family culture, because when the teenagers want out of it. Like they want nothing to do with it. It's there when they come back. And I love that concept of what you just said that they will come and back. And they will remember it. Yeah. And yeah. they'll remember it fondly. Yeah. They don't, they won't admit it. Then they, maybe they don't even know that they're fond. Yeah. They fondly remember it, but they do. They yeah. do. Yep. 
Um, well, I love that. And I am going to put on our list to do a full teenager episode or series in the spring so that you can guide me and initiate me into parenting teenagers before April. Oh, yeah, because I have more to say about every single one of those. Oh, yeah. Things, so we I'm could sure expand on that for days. I'm yeah. sure. Um, and thanks for sending those questions, um, Catherine and Leah. So our last question comes from another Sarah. And I have a feeling we have many listeners who have been listening to siblings bickering over the last few months. And now we're all inside for the winter. So let's listen to Sarah ask about sibling fighting. Hi, Megan and Sarah. My name is Sarah, and I'm a longtime listener of the show. I have two daughters. They're in kindergarten and third grade. And my question for you today is about sibling arguments. Now, we've been spending a lot of time together these last few months, but lately their arguing has turned into something that I just don't think is good. Sometimes they're arguing, you know, it's normal. And sometimes she's sitting too close to me. She might want to use my toy is just all I hear. I find that day in and day out, I'm saying stop fighting, stop fighting so often. And I think that we're in need of some fresh ideas. Now, I will say we are homeschooling this year, so this is probably making it a little harder for them. But do you have any tips or tricks, things that you've used when your kids just won't stop fighting? I want them to have healthy conflict resolution together, but I also want to encourage general kindness towards each other instead of automatically getting frustrated over the tiniest of things. I look forward to what you have to say. Thanks. Okay. So, Sarah, you are not alone. I know there are many, many moms nodding their heads right now with just the annoyance of listening to bickering. And if you it sounds like they're homeschooling and many people are virtual schooling and this episode is coming out, even if even if you your kids have been in childcare or school, we're going into kind of Christmas break time soon. So listening to the fighting is hard. So validating that you are not alone. Um I know we've said this in previous episodes, but I just want to say again, I believe that some sibling personalities really will almost be oil and water or in conflict their entire growing up and others move in and out of phases. And I've seen both of this. I've actually seen ones that I thought were oil and water forever go through good phases. Either way, it's not your fault. Like it's not something you are doing or not doing. I think we're going to talk about some tips and boundaries for yourself so that you can enjoy your life as a mom. But I don't I would I would encourage you to not think of this as something that you can or should fix, um, because sometimes personalities just kind of rub up against each other and might forever um, or they might not forever. Either way, I don't think it's your fault and I don't think it bears on an adult relationship. So I'm very close with my siblings and with one of my siblings, I don't ever remember getting along until until later high school. But that's practically adulthood like. So I guess just to just to know that. um, So maybe it's more about like your own tips and tools and tricks and all of that. Um, The first tip that I thought of is to make sure that each of those kids is getting some one on one time with the adults in the house at some point. I know that's really hard during covid. And I know um, in the first half of the show to the other Sarah, we talked about like one on one at home dates or little things. But Just remember that a kindergartner and a third grader have very different needs and abilities and interests. And so I think sometimes when kids haven't, when they've had to sort of set aside or compromise their like 
just their their natural inclinations, which for the third grader might be more ready for more advanced and more interesting stuff. And the kindergartner is still so little. And when they have to meet in the middle always and they don't get to just feel like they get all the adult attention for a little bit, um, I think that can make fighting worse. It's not a silver bullet. It's not going to fix it. But if you just have as a priority just to make sure whether it's alternating bedtimes and giving one of them like an extended reading time, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to put strain on your life as a mom. But think about that one on one connection for each individual, because I really do think there's a correlation between that and the sibling bickering. And I know it's hard Um, when the bickering is happening. I was going to say I like to stay like 75 percent like disengaged and aloof and like 25% present, but just like hovering. And I listen for, I listen for a distinction between the kind of bickering that I can ignore, which is usually like where someone's annoyed, the other person's aggravating them, but it tends to shift with the day or the mood or the situation. Like sometimes one is kind of picking on the other and sometimes the other is the aggressor. And if it seems like there's relatively a balance there, I tend to ignore a lot of that or I just take steps for my own sanity. So I might leave the room or, you know, something like that. If there's a persistent um, relationship dynamic that really feels unhealthy and that would be for me, it would be like, you know, one is being truly domineering and bossy all of the time and the other one's resorting to like bad behavior or whining or tantrums. And it just seems like it's the same dynamic. I tend to ignore that less. And I might just, I might just try to proactively not put them in that situation. And I know that's hard and a little bit vague, but you know, when you baby proof, like when, you know, when you have a one and a half year old and you look at a room and you know, the problem areas, right? Like you kind of go around and you kind of make sure that they can't get into too much trouble. I almost feel like with sibling relationships, we, at least with my kids, I know the scenarios that are not going to end well. It's usually when Violet feels like she's out of her league and she feels like she has to perform or be as good as the big kids. And it's a recipe for disaster. So I might steer them into an activity that's not going to create that dynamic. So I guess that that whole piece of advice is be listen and kind of be like a student of your kids fighting. And you might be able to separate what's ignorable and what's preventable, I guess. With older kids too. And, and one thing, and this is totally a a generalization, which may or may not actually play out. It's just something I've witnessed. I do think that close in age, same sex siblings tend to have those really, really bickery relationships, sometimes more than other kinds of configurations, Mm -hmm. which would be like further apart in age or opposite genders. Like I just, I've seen that play out a little bit differently. And the, the thing that you're talking about these dynamics. So just something to look for, or to, I guess validate that it's can be normal for two, you know, sisters, two years apart to like bitterly fight or mm-hmm. two brothers, two years apart to punch each other a lot or whatever. Um, I've seen those play out again and again and again. But the other thing is peep those dynamics, like kids learn what works and what doesn't work they're very astute Mm -hmm. and they will retreat to their dynamic of choice, which sometimes means some kids will go real quiet and not fight. And those kids, it sometimes it looks like they're being rewarded because no one's like, no adult is calling them out for being obnoxious Mm -hmm. or fighting or whatever, but actually they're being punished really in a way because they can disappear. Like Mm -hmm. they can really, or they can get real quiet and sneaky and they can become 
silent instigators. Mm -hmm. So like listening is really important, but you can't always trust your ears or your adult interpretation right. of the like situation. Right, like the loudest one is not necessarily the, the Yeah, just because yeah. one is screaming doesn't mean they started it. And they might be the most annoying in the moment, but that doesn't mean they're at fault. And I have actually found it helpful to, when alone, ask kids what their interpretation of is of what's going on, but also to ask their siblings what they're, and I have a lot of kids in my house. So like, there's a lot of observers. So mm-hmm. I kind of have the benefit of having multiple tattlers. I've got lots of narcs in my yeah. house and I just don't, <laughs> I don't set it up that way. I don't, I'm not going to then go back and report like your little sister said you did this, but you know, like I know Clara as the youngest is paying very close attention to the family dynamics. And she's also kind of quiet and she's not an instigator. And so what she's a reliable narrator, I mm-hmm. guess is what I'm saying. Like she's paying attention and reporting the truth. Whereas if it was a kid actively involved in the conflict, they're not as reliable a narrator. So like mm-hmm. the method I would use to figure out what's going on might be different. And I just, just, I don't even know what the advice is around that. If you have more than two kids in the family and two of them are the ones that are always at con that third kid can be an interesting resource to mm-hmm. lean on, to find out what's going on. Or there might be something going on you're not even aware of because maybe that third kid has just opted out, but that's not necessarily good either. So it's just, mm-hmm. there's so much, sibling dynamics are very complicated is, is what is my, uh, <laughs> is what I'm getting at here. And they will outgrow it to some degree. And, and most of the time it's not going to be like damaging, right? but it is a thing. Yeah, no. And it's hard when yeah. you have to listen to it when they're in your house. It's right. like, it's such a bummer. I use the word buzzkill a lot. And that's not really like, yeah. I don't actually have a buzz going that I, anyone is killing, but it's, right. it's, it's, it puts a damper on the mood. So I can validate that. Are any of your kids, um, hobbyist, you know, fighters, like they don't even care. Like an Enneagram eight Personally, who would just enjoy the fight. Yeah. Like they don't even care about the, yeah, they don't care about the outcome. They're not actually put out or sad or mad or, or in any way really inconvenienced. They just want to bicker for the sake of bickering. I mean, those kids also exist. Sometimes I feel like that. I'm not sure any one of them is like that, but I think they've all shown that ability. Like bickering as hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think that's a thing. Um, my last couple of things I was just going to say, you know, provide some opportunities for success. I will do, I will do things like I will say, I will come right up adjacent to bribes and threats without ever really calling something a bribe or a threat. So I will say, for example, um, I need some help with dinner in the kitchen. So your choice right now is either to go play with, go play well with each other. And that includes helping younger siblings and including them, or I'll find a job for you in the kitchen. Totally up to you. (laughs) Really what I'm saying is play nice or I'll put you to work. But I kind of phrase it in a way like you have a choice of two activities. One of them involves getting along with each other and staying out of my business. So um, you might have little like some little tradition or some little activity that you know they can do well together. Just like you know the things that will trigger some fighting, you might know some things that they really can do well together. And then look for opportunities to kind of complement that success and compliment the older one. Thank you so much for being patient because I know you know, I know you were ready to move on from that game and you helped your sister because she was ready and then thank the younger one. You know, I know that was hard for you and I know you wanted to hit her, but you didn't. And I noticed that. So look for all those opportunities to kind of, 
you know, praise the progress and acknowledge when they get along. And, you know, I've even told my kids, it bums me out to hear this. Like, I know you love each other. I know it's all going to be fine, but it bums me out. It's like it, it ruins my day. So just so you know, this is hard for me to listen to. And I think that's okay for kids to know too, that like they're the, the dynamic they're bringing has an effect on the whole house. Now, if they're stuck in a truly like kind of ugly pattern, they're not going to be able to they're not going to be able to fix it just to give you a better right. day. But I think the older kids get, and you've been really good about giving this advice, Megan, like the older kids get, it's okay to tell them like, I, I want a more peaceful house. Like, I don't want you to fight in my, this room, like go away. This is ruining my day. So mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit more as they get older, but I think it's okay for them to know that it's a bummer to have to listen to. They might not act on it when they're little, but it's okay for them to know it at any stage, I think. And yeah. you know, th- as they get older, they'll figure out how to how to incorporate, like how to control their behavior, yeah. which will be harder when they're small. But right. yeah, exactly. I agree. All right. Um, well, I, I don't think we solved anything today, but we, we tackled a lot. We sure tried things. though. We sure tried. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And if you have not yet listened to the more than mom episode, we dropped on Sunday that we were talking about, um, just a couple days ago, it's really funny and we had a good time doing it. So that would make a great listen as you're gearing up for whatever this weird Thanksgiving looks like for you. Or if Thanksgiving is behind you now as you're listening to this, then it's all about the holiday season. So consider it our gift to you. Oh, yeah. That was such a fun episode. We might have to continue, come up with some more um, debates to have this month. Agreed. So, well, thanks for listening, everybody. And happy Thanksgiving from our families to yours. Hang in there, everyone. And we will be back with you next week. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by The Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah, and with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get the Essential Calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour.